started. It's the first thing that you learn when you start wheel throwing, um, and it's the part that takes the longest. When I first started, it took me, I, I didn't make anything for like a month. I was just centering balls of clay on the wheel. Just getting it centered. And so the question becomes, as a Christian, as a believer is, you know, that we have to be centered before we can ever be built up, right? Before we can be built up, we've got to be centered. And the question is, what's centering you? What are you centering your life around? Right? What, what, what's important to you? What are, what are you building your life on? As a believer, that, that centering has to be Jesus Christ. Yeah. As a believer, you have to have your life centered and revolving around Jesus Christ. Right? That he is, we sing that song all the time, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. If we're going to have a built-up life, our lives have to be centered on Christ. Because I got, I got news for you. You're going to be on this wheel of life, and you're going to be revolving. Sometimes at speeds, you don't want to be revolving around. And if you're not centered, you're going to get thrown off of life's wheel. I ought to have two or three more amens. If you're not centered on this wheel, it will throw you off. Amen? And so now I see that all the time you've been doing that, you've been adding water all the time you've been doing that. Why is, why is water necessary? Um, well, the clay is, it has a lot of water in it already, but in order for me to work it, in order for it to be smooth in my hands, in order for it not to drag, to drag itself down, I have to put water on it. And so the water keeps it pliable. Absolutely. And if the, if the water is not there, the, dry, the, the clay dries up and it's no good in your hands. I see somebody's going wet. See, it's a, you, you gotta have some water. The clay needs water to remain pliable. Amen, amen, amen. You, you've got you gotta have water to. Re and and if you've noticed, she keeps going back to the water, over and over again. Amen. The voice is singing a song going talk about getting a second dip, going back to the because I needed a second and a third. Dip. And and you need water. Jesus said, "I am the living water." Yes, right? yes. If you drink of me, you will never thirst again. Amen. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. Ooh, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you don't ever have to worry about having enough water to stay pliable in the master's hands. You're going to shout in a minute here. Amen. 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 <laughs> Okay, and so, and so now I'm noticing what I've noticed what you've been doing. Why, look at our hands if you can. Get a close-up on our hands right now because what, what I always did when I was in the studio, and I think what most of us do is we're paying attention to the outside, but her hands are on the inside. Hey. Her hands are on the inside as yes, much Lord. as they are on the outside. Oftentimes we're looking to see what the outside of things going to be like, not recognizing that God is working on the in I wish I had a witness. I'm about to fill it in a minute, y'all. See, see, we, we want the outside of the thing to look right, but we don't understand if the outside is going to look right, the inside has to be worked out. And there's some things on the inside of our lives that God has to work out if the outside is ever going to take the shape Amen. that it needs to take. Amen. And you can't be afraid of letting the Holy Spirit work on the inside. I wish I had a witness. 
You would let the spirit work on the inside and remove and move and mold and take and push and make. The Holy Spirit will do a work inside of you. Jesus told his disciples one day, he said, listen, y'all so concerned about the outside of the vessel. It's the inside of the vessel that makes the thing dirty. You got to be concerned about the inside. Let the Lord work on the inside. And if you get the inside right, the outside will shape up. Good God Almighty. I'm, I'm feeling it right now, Pat. I'm feeling it right now. Uh, okay. And so, and so, and so now I'm, I'm looking at you sort of just shaping it up. And, and, and one thing I learned, I don't know if, you, if media has a clip, but um, one thing I learned is that every little movement of your hands actually matters. I mean, you, it, it looks like, it looks like she's just pushing, but I mean, every little, in every little minor movement of her hands is making that, making that, yeah, that's me and my pole self, yeah, yeah, I was, I, oh, Aaron, I was working, I was trying, I was really trying, I was really trying, and, 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 and so, uh, but what I appreciated about that was that every little piece Every little movement mattered, yes. which said to me that there are no movements that happen in our lives that aren't intentional. God's hands are placed perfectly, and it's intentional what he's doing. Every movement has meaning. The stuff you've been trying to figure out, why is this happening? Why is it? It's intentional. And in the master's hand, he knows what he's doing. You just got to stay on the wheel. You got to stay on the wheel because he knows what he's doing. Now, now, how are you controlling that, that, that wheel? What's going on and how are you making it go and stop and all of that? I've got a pedal over on my right side, much like a sewing machine if you ever sewed yeah. it all. Um, and I can make it go fast, and I can make it go really slow, and I can turn it off. I can also, by hand, spin the wheel. Yeah. So you control the speed Absolutely. of the wheel. 100%. <laughs> you, it, it's not going any faster than you want it to go. Or need it to go. Or need it to go. God is in control of the wheel of your life. You, you might feel like it's spinning out of control, but he has the pedal. It's under his foot, and he knows when to ease up, and he knows when he needs to press it down. Your job is just to hold on. Here's the good news about holding on. When I saw it, and the, the clay is a little drier now, but when it was wetter, when, when she really had it going, the hands were always around the clay. When, 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 when she was going a little faster, and I think that was there, and I, maybe I'm stretching, but you tell me. Uh, I'm thinking you had your hands around it because you didn't want the clay to just go any kind of way. Is that right? One for me. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so. While the wheel is spinning and you feel it's going out of control, here's what you need to know. God's hands are around you. His hands are around you. 
it, it, even though you feel like it's going too fast, his hands, his hands are around you. Two more things and I'm through for, for this part. Two more things. I saw you cut a piece of clay a minute ago and you put it down in here somewhere. There it is. You can't see it. But I'm going to put it up. You, you see it. She cut that piece of clay and put it down in there. And, and when I was at the shop, there was a bowl um, that had all the sort of clay pieces that, that you had sort of cut off. And in my case, it wasn't clay that I cut off. It was clay that fell off. There it is. Look, there it is right there. You see that big piece right there? So I started out with a big piece like hers, and by the big at midway, it just fell off. Because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was, I, was, I, was, I was a little upset about it. I'll get to that later. But she told me, she said, put it in the little thing, that little bowl. And I said, why, why put it in that? And you told me that that bowl is what? Reclaim. It's I, reclaim. I recycle everything. You recycle it. And so once that throwaway is hardened again, you mean it's useful again? Absolutely. Amen. So, so the, the stuff that we think can't be used anymore, after it's dried, you can come back, put water on it, and put it right back on the wheel. What did I say? I said it, I said it was potential. Potential. It, it, all of this is potential. And sometimes we're looking at the potential and seeing it as trash. And God says, no, that's potential. Amen. I'm not getting rid of that. I'm going to use that later on. Amen. Everything has purpose. Amen. And stuff that people are saying, you, you, it, it's no good, you're a throwaway. No, God is going to use that. Eye Amen. has not seen, ear has not heard, Amen. neither has it entered into the heart of man, all Hallelujah. of the things that God has prepared Amen. for us. Don't let anybody tell Amen. you what God can't do with what's in the throwaway pile. It's yeah. the potential pile. Amen. And then lastly, after the clay dries, you told me this. Now, you're kind of ending this, this piece right here, and you told me this, that it takes about a day or two, if you're in good weather, uh, for it to dry uh, just in air, just to air dry. Is that right? About a day or two, and it dries. Finish, finish piece. Except you added this piece to it, and I remember this. You said, if it dries and you don't like it, that you can still take it after it's dried and put water to it and start all over. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. You, even after it's dried, watch this, watch this, even after it's old. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Even after you think, watch this, even after you think it's done, there's no changing to it that the potter can always put it back on the wheel and go at it again. What you told me though, Aaron, messed me up. You said the only thing that permanently fixes it is when it goes through the fire. I'm about to shout y'all. You told me the only thing that permanently fixes it is when it's been through the fire. When it goes through the fire, it's done. I'm going to shout in a minute. When yes. it goes through the fire, yes. it's done.
when the when you've been through your furnace of affliction, don't you know that that's not to mess you up, that's to finish you? That's not to destroy you, that's to perfect you. That's not to say it's your end, that's to say that I'm done with you and ain't not oh my god. The fire is a finishing fire that perfects us and makes us into the very thing that he wanted us to be. And only when you've been through the fire. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Aaron, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. You did that in about 15 minutes. My God. So listen, if you can, can you stay with us for just a moment? Because I want to invite now our second guest up. We have a second guest. Y'all didn't know this. Uh, but Denise, Denise Coleman, won't you come up? And if one of the ministers help her up the stairs, please, want to make sure. Amen. God bless you. Come on, Denise. Y'all give Denise a welcome. God bless you. Make sure your mic is on. Is it? God bless you. Good morning. There you go. Sounds good. Sounds good. Welcome, Denise. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing this Thank morning with us. Me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Denise, Denise, we met uh, just about a week ago. Yes, sir. And we were there in my office. I was having a meeting um, uh, with some attorneys, and we were talking about uh, some things with, with, with prison reform work and restitution centers across the state of Mississippi. And all these, all these attorneys were in my office, and... and um, and I, I, I just assumed she was part of the legal staff of this group that had come in. And she was just sitting there in the chair, and everybody was talking, and she, Denise was kind of quiet. And so um, one, of, one of the lawyers said, well, uh, Denise is here. Why don't, and the question was raised about people who serve life in jail uh, versus those who are in death row. And one of the lawyers said, well, Denise is here. She can speak to that. I said, okay, well, that, that must be her, her, her law. That's going to be what she practiced. And she said, no, that's not what I practiced. That's what I lived. So welcome to school, y'all. Welcome to school. We're about to be school. Right. And that's, that's when I said, that's when I said, this is about to be good. Um, and by the time you finished your story, it was clear to me that I was not supposed to preach this morning. It was clear to me that this is the sermon. You are the sermon. So Denise Coleman. Coleman is your maiden name. Coleman is my maiden name. I'm not your married name. That's yeah. right. Your maiden name is? Denise DeQuayan. 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 Yes. That sounds? Filipino. Filipino. Mm -hmm. All right. So you, you got some other stuff going on. Yeah. And, you, and, and you're from New Orleans. Is that right? Yes, sir. Any New Orleans in the house? I know we got some New Orleans over here. <laughs> All right. So, so you grew up in New Orleans. Yes. Tell us about your childhood growing up. Let me tell you about the lady that birthed me. Yes. My mother was from Jackson, Mississippi. All right. And she met my father, and I asked the story. She said, don't worry about it. I met him sitting on the dock of the bay. <laughs> yeah. Case closed. Yeah, yeah. And so you grew up in New Orleans, I believe, Ninth Ward, is that right? Yes, sir. Ninth Ward, where they say what in the Ninth Ward? They say, um, let me remember. What I, what I heard you say was something about we don't we from the nine and oh we from the nine and we don't mind dying yeah we from the nine and we don't mind dying yeah many yeah. years ago ninth ward mm -hmm. so so you grew up in the ninth ward um, 
And you grew up in a pretty stable home, I understand. I mean, yes, your sir. parents were uh, in the civil rights movement. Yes, sir. Uh, part of the NAACP. Yes, sir. So you you grew up a child of the of the struggle. Yes, sir. Wow, wow. Um, tell us a little bit about that and living in that home in that environment. Oh, I was most interested in um, by my father being Filipino and loving my mother the way he did. He just went on into the NAACP and they was like, well, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> he said, "I'm with the movement of the people that's poor." Mm. He said, "Poverty is me." And poverty is my daughter, and poverty is my woman. Mm. He said, we are here to support the whole entire community and the city of New Orleans. So that's how I got started. I was, I was like, right on. Yeah. So <laughs> that's you, right, Dad. Yeah, yeah, so you grew up with mom and dad actively involved. Yes. I understand that you, as a teenager, you were involved in some movements yourself? Okay. Yes, I was. I was um, involved in an equal opportunity with the signs going protest downtown on Canal Street, going to see if we could get equal opportunity for our people. And um, that was my first time I got in trouble and went to jail. The first time you went to jail? The first time I ever went to jail. Yeah, and so that was that was a part of the struggle, part of uh, yes. the the protesting. And I understand you were yes. you were in the paddy wagon and all of that. Yes. And yeah, can, we had a similar situation here in Jackson where uh, young people were in the fair at the fairgrounds and were uh, part of uh, the, that great arrest where they yes. were arrested. So so a similar thing happened to you. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. But that's not why you served life. No, it isn't. No, no, no. Um, Let's fast forward a little bit. You, you, um, you were growing up, and I understand you met the love of your life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you were in dancing. You danced yes. professionally 15 yes. years of, mm -hmm. of, of, of learning dance and teaching dance yes. as well. You married a, a, a man who was also into music. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was young, and I've seen the man of my life, I thought. And he was good. He was good for a moment, but the enemy is always at work. And the devil stays busy. So at a young age, he was a trumpet player, matter of fact. And um, at a young age, our life took a turn. Uh, for his infidelity, he, the woman that he was messing with uh, shot him and paralyzed him. After that, to go forward, I stayed with him still seven years after because he had no one to take care of him. And I felt that that was my place. And regardless to what he did, that was my place to forgive him. And I did. Well, a few times later, he decided to, after he was able to start moving his arms and the upper part of his body, he wanted me to leave. And I asked him why. And he said, because it's not what you did, it's what I did. He said, I can't stand to look at you. I said, I'm here to take care of you, and I'm not going anywhere. Well, it happened. I just got fed up 
I couldn't take any more because she was really abusing me mentally. And I left and I started drinking alcohol and being outside in the street and I didn't want to go to no more. I didn't want to participate in anything. I just I just lost myself. And I felt that it wasn't nobody else for me and I was not further interested in anyone else. I wanted my husband paralyzed and all, it didn't matter. I just wanted him because I knew him. I knew the man that I had married. Yeah, yeah. And, and from that time, I, you, you've told the story before I heard it, that, that you felt like your life just spiraled out of control. Yes. That, that uh, you, uh, the, the trauma of that, the trauma of the abandonment, the trauma of, of the infidelity, um, and you turned to uh, alcohol and drugs. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, did. and and we're using pretty heavily. I yes, understand. I was. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and so it's in that moment, that period of your life, where things got really dark, mm -hmm. um, um, and and you connected with a group of people, who were your friends, yes, but who were into some other stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and we don't have to go into all of that, but because and we can't go into all of that, but. Um, but long story short, you got involved with some people and y'all took a trip to California? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. We took a trip to California because I was a dancer and I figured that in California I could get maybe more adventurous and more experience. I, I danced, I tap danced, and I did ballet and I did modeling dance. So that field of work, I was going to be in the Alvin Ailey's dance troupe because mm. that's how good I was. Mm. And um, I kept on going. And then something just, I don't know what happened. I just choose to listen to something that I shouldn't have listened to. And it's all in your decision making and your choices in life. And when you're young, Sometimes you can make the wrong choice. Yeah. And you can make the wrong decision. And it would cause you your whole life. And it did to me. I had no way out. I couldn't believe that my homeboys was, had been involved in something that I was there, but wasn't there. I was involved, but I wasn't involved. I was in a place and I couldn't get out. I was in a setting whereas I should have been more observant, but I wasn't. So, so let me let me let me give the outskirts of that. And like I said, we don't have to deal the deal the details. But basically, you were with a group of people. Mm -hmm. um, they went to California. Someone came back from California with you all. Mm -hmm. That person ended up being killed. Yes. That person ended up being killed. You were in Mississippi with these individuals. When the police caught up with you all, yes. you were in the car with the individuals. Yes. And so all of you got charged with the murder. With the same Is that thing. right? With the yes. same thing. Mm -hmm. And so you were charged with murder and with kidnapping because it involved crossing yes. state lines. Absolutely. And you were sentenced to how many years? I was sentenced to two life sentences. Two life sentences. Yes. Two life sentences. Mm -hmm. And so because it was across state lines, then you were in the federal uh, yes. prison system. Is that right? Yes. Okay. For so 30 years. For 30 years. Mm 
for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Tell us a little bit about, we, we got time. Tell us a little bit about that, 30 years 30 in federal years prison. 30 years I was in um, federal prison, and it wasn't easy. It was very hard. It was something that I wouldn't, was not used to. It was very abnormal for me. And because I had been in jail in the city, I thought it was, oh, I'm in jail, but I get out. I got out on my own recontinence when I was young with the NAACP. And I know that I was fighting for a cause, but this was something much more detrimental. And I just could not see my way. I couldn't see. And all my life, I've been able to see. I couldn't see the um, falter in my husband because I never listened to no woman to come tell me anything about my husband. So I didn't see that when I should have been looking, I could have seen. I didn't see this. I didn't see that my homeboys was really bad. I just knew that they liked to ride in hot rod cars and motorcycles and that's what we done and played baseball and that was it. That was the story. They was my homeboys. No, they didn't finish high school, but I should have looked at that. I should have looked at the part where, come on, let's ride. Come on, let's drink. Come on, let's go. I didn't pay attention to it. But because of brokenness, I didn't see it. Because of your own brokenness. Because of my own brokenness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 30 years in the feds, and you, you, I understand you went to a lot of different federal prisons throughout the uh, U.S., is that right? Yes, sir. How, how, how did you navigate that? What was um, when I got in prison, I, like I said, I was into dance, and I, was, I cooked, so it wasn't none of that. I went to the um, industrial services, and I asked, what could I do? And he said, what do you know how to do? And I said, I don't know anything about this. Building furniture. I don't know anything about building furniture. I said, but if you teach me, I am willing to learn. I'm willing to go forward with it. He said, is this what you want to do? Because we have three other departments. I said, I want to build furniture. I want to be a builder. So I said, I want to do anything that will take my mind off of what I'm doing with this time that I'm supposed to be dealing with. I don't know how to deal with it. So a friend of mine came to me and she said, Jesus loves you. I didn't know anything about the Lord. Mm. Nothing. I'm like, yeah, he loves you too. Mm. She said, okay. She said, every day I'm going to tell you that. I said, well, you don't need to sweat me about Jesus, okay? Well, to make a long story yeah. short, I became the best builder in the factory. I became the QA manager, quality assurance manager in my department. And I inspected every piece of furniture from credenzas to a wastebasket. And it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of furniture. And I was a cutter. So I would put the wood on the panel saw and cut that wood and make sure that it went through every department productively. And I would check every piece until it got to the end. When it got to the end, it was the end of the day for me. I didn't have to do anything else but go home. So I would go back to my unit 
But that wasn't good enough. Three months later, I decided, I said, boss, I need to work overtime. He said, what's the matter? I said, I'm stressed. He said, you want to work overtime? I said, I most certainly do. He said, okay, you can work overtime. So the next morning, he came in. I got six of the best workers they had in there, and we put out 10,000 pieces in two months. Wow. And we was building, and that helped me get through. So working with your hands. Yeah. You, you, you figured out how to work with your hands mm -hmm. and doing that work, and also, and we're going to get to the Jesus part in a minute okay. because I understand that, that, that that's the best part. That's the best part. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but working with your hands. And, and at that time, you also had children. You had yes. two daughters. Is that I right? I had two girls. Uh, I lost everyone in my family because I was the only child from that lady and that man. And my mother and father, I was the only child, and I didn't have any more. So I said, when I got ready to get married, I said, I'm not going to have one child. I'm going to have two children so my baby will have somebody to play with. Because I don't have nobody. I had all these make-believe people, and my mom and my dad, of course. Yeah. But they were, in, they, they were so serious about the movement yeah. until that's what I had to learn at the table all the time. It's like, can we eat ice cream? Not yet. Okay. So because of your, your trade and because you're learning to work with your hands, I understand that you were able then to go to a lot of different federal prisons throughout the yes. U.S. And every time a new prison opened, yes. you were able to get transferred, basically. Mm -hmm. And you did that mm -hmm. for the extent of those 30 years. Yes. Until mm -hmm. what happens? Uh, you, you get to Mississippi and what's... Oh, well... While I was in federal prison in 2012, they called me and said, um, you're going you're gonna to have a special parole hearing. I said, I am? And on my way out the office, I run into Lily, and she said, Jesus loves you. I said, there you go again. <laughs> yeah. I said, I want him to love me. I want him to love me. Mm far beyond measure. Mm. I say, I need him right now. Could you call him up? Mm. She said, you could call him yourself. Mm. I said, Jesus, would you help me? I need help bad. Wow. I said, Lily say, you good. Lily said that you was good. So if you love me, help me. And it didn't happen right then. I went on a little further with something else. I went to church. I was in church and just kept going to church, just kept on going. I started getting more and more and more and more. Started getting filled. I started not wanting to hang out on the yard anymore. I started coming in and getting into my Bible and starting to read it. I said, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this here. But I do know our Father who art in heaven. I said, um, can you help me? And I just kept on. I just kept on with it. And I said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whom shall I fear? I said one thing I learned. One thing that I desire of the Lord, that I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to inquire in his temple, in the beauty of his temple. So I didn't know what to do after that. So I went and told Lily, I said, I got something to tell you that I learned. She said, well, I want you to come to church. 
Okay, now during this time, I'm going to Bible study and everything. It's been passed. The time has passed and moved on. And the pastor says, I want you to come to my office. I said, oh my God, what I done did. I said, you have something broke in your office? You need some furniture fixed or something? And he said, no, I don't need no furniture fixed. I said, well, what do you want? I said, really, what do you want with me? And she said, just go see. He said, I need you to teach a class that I have here. It's called Women of Freedom. I said, no, I can't teach that class. Uh-uh, because I'm not free yet. I said, you know, Pastor Anderson, you know what I'm dealing with. You know the time I'm doing and the time that I serve. He said, yeah, you have served. He said, and you've been up in this chapel, and you asked me, could you clean up? I said, yeah. He said, you clean the waste baskets, and you clean the toilets. He said, there's something about you sister, and I want you to keep coming. So I did. I kept on going. I said, I'm going to clean the chapel. Just don't worry about everything. I said, next thing I want to do is fix the communion. He said, okay. So I was back there fixing the communion. I'm talking to myself. Okay, I didn't get a chance to tell you this. And um, I said, now this is the bread that they say that uh, Jesus did it. He broke the bread. Well, I'm going to eat this bread. So I ate that. <laughs> and then I said, this is the juice. And they said, this juice is his blood. So I said, I'm going to drink this because I want some of his blood. So I drank that. So I told Lily. I said, well, I done took communion. She said, well, I said, I broke bread. And she said, did you talk to the Lord? I said, a little bit. I said, not much. I just said, if this was, if this was his drink and this was his bread, then I was eating it. I was going to consume it and I'm going to let him do the work. Well, that night, this is a whole year in the past now. I was in church that night, and a church called Jacob's Chapel was at, from Tallahassee was there. And there he called, altar call, and for everybody to come up. And I'm sitting there still, and I'm waiting. So I said, I'm so sick and tired of this. I said, Lord, and I didn't even realize how loud I was talking. I said, Lord, I am so tired, and I surrender, the song that you were singing, I surrender my all. I said, because I'm tired. Not my will, but your will be done. I said, right now, I'm just tired, and I need you, Lord. I need you to see me. I need you to examine me because I've already examined myself, but I cannot change myself. I have to be changed from inside wow. out. I said, only you can do it is what I understand. And I'm asking you to please forgive me for everything that I have done, knowingly and unknowingly. Whatever step I make, I cannot make without you. And I've learned that. I say, I've went to Bible study. I've went to Bible classes. But me and you have had a talk. And I am ready. I am ready if you are ready for me didn't happen. I said, well, Lily, I had my say with the Lord, and I'm going home. I don't want to talk to you tonight. I'm going inside. So I went on side, inside, and I got on my knees. And I said, Lord, I love you. I said, I haven't loved but one man in my life. 
but I understand that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth and the in-between and the underneath. I say, I need you. I need you so bad. I was crying for help. I was weeping because I needed him. And I had this feeling that came over me. And I said, I don't know what I'm feeling, Lord, but I feel something. And what is it? What is this? I say, you have the sweetest thing I name I know. And it's Jesus. And I kind of sighed a little bit to the side. And I laid on my pillow and I fell asleep. Well, during my time of sleep, I had a dream. And the lights was white. It said, wait. Wait. Be still and wait. And I did. The next Sunday, Jacob Schaffer was back. I said, Pastor, it's me, Nisi, the builder. I said, I'm coming from the back of the church. I said, because I want to move to the front with the Lord. I said, but right now I need you to all and direct my every step. And he People, he have been ordering and directing my steps ever since. Wow. And today, I don't want to do anything hmm. but serve the Lord. My God. And the only thing I want to do is be that runner what my parents laid the way. Wow. The way that I should have went. Wow. And that's to serve my people and to be in the community wow. of all those and the children, our future. I want to be a service and an example to them mm. for whatever direction you're headed in. And it's the wrong one. Hey, I'm the sister. I'm the daughter. Mm. I'm the mama. I'm the friend. I'm the auntie. I'm the grandma. Return you, if I can, in the di direction of positivity. My God. So that's the Some, I Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So God is good. <laughs> wow. He's good. Wow. Wow. Now, now, in the minutes that we have left, because we didn't get to this, and this won't take but a minute, it, it should take, this, this should take its own hour. Mm -hmm. but, but after you got to Mississippi, mm -hmm. you had served your 30 years, yes. and then something happened in Mississippi. Yes that you actually served an additional seven years yes, on top of your 30. Yes, sir. So you served seven years beyond yes. what you were sentenced. Yes, sir. And my understanding is that you would still be there yes, sir. had it not been for this group that came and found you. Yes, sir. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that so we can understand. Okay. When I, got re I was getting released, I had went to the parole board, as I had stated. Uh, when I was sentenced first, I was sentenced to two, life, two concurrent life sentences, which means they ran together. Every day that I did for the feds, I was supposedly had done for the state. Well, when I went to the parole board, he said, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. He said, but you've done your 30 years under the old law. He said, your time is up. You've done every single day. I said, yes, sir. 
I said, can I go home now? He said, no, you can't go right now. He said, but you're on your way out the door, and you can start packing. I said, yes, sir. I said, now they playing with my head now. I said, Lily, you think Jesus loves me today? She said, yeah, he loves you. She said, don't worry about a thing. I got on my knees right in those people's office. I said, Lord, I have faith and believe in you. I rely and I depend on you. I don't have nobody to depend on. I don't have no family. I don't have no mama, no daddy, no sister, no brother. I lost my daughter. I said, one of my children is dead. I said, I only have you to depend on in that one daughter. But that one daughter was mad at me for years and years because I was away from her and she was my baby. So she, she kind of withdrew from me. So I prayed about that and I kept on praying and I kept on praying. Well, when I got ready to leave, they told me that Mississippi was there to pick me up. Yeah. I said, Mississippi here to pick me up? I said, I thought, I said, let me see those papers. Read the papers, papers saying the same thing. We don't have all day, let's go. I said, okay. I got ready to leave. My daughter had bought me some clothes and I put them on. Well, when I got to Mississippi, they told me, where did you, where you think you going? I said, sir, I've just been released from prison. I said, and when you get out of federal prison, your family can send you clothes to put on. I said, my daughter did, and here I am. He said, well, that's the last year she had them clothes. Don't be wearing them no more. I said, sir. He said, give us those clothes. Said, okay. Give them the clothes. It was really, really ugly to me. But where I was at in my life, as far as the Lord, he kept me. He kept me. And it was just like he had a shield all around me. So I didn't know anything else. I said, Lord, I said, I'm putting on the full armor because I'm in a place that's unknown to me that I don't know. And I'm around people that I don't know. I say, so I buckle on the belt around my waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. The shield of faith in my hand. My feet is fitted for the readiness for the gospel of peace. I say, I'm putting on a helmet of salvation so no harm won't come to me. I say, and I'm dependent and I have remembered your word. Your scriptures, your verses, that I belong to you, and I know it. And whatever you have for me, it's for me. I say, but the sword of the Spirit is what I'm carrying with me in my mind and in my heart. And that's what I did. Wow. Sisters, brothers, when you ain't got no way to turn, and it's like the man was saying who was, who was ill and had the cancer. If they would have came for me and if it was my time to go, I was willing. Let his will be done, not mine, because that's the kind of place that I was in. And that's the kind of place that you see and hear about on TV because I was sentenced to parchment penitentiary.
That's where I was sentenced. But they closed it down, they moved the women, and I went to MDOC. Well, when I got there, it wasn't a pretty picture and it wasn't so nice to me. So I did all kind of things. My hair was long, I cut all my hair off. I said, I don't want to look like nothing to nobody. I said, oh no, I'm not getting ready to do this here. I said, now nah, I'm from the night ward. Oh, I can fight real good. Oh, Lord. I said, oh, Lord, but don't let me have to fight. My, but if my, I got you, I'm going to put my hands up because you didn't make me stupid. <laughs> and I'm not turning the other cheek. I'm not doing that. So I was very, very scared. I was so very scared until I was like, my back is against the wall. So soon as I got in the unit where I was going to sleep, my first incident was I actually, I said, could you tell me where bed, I think it was 25. I said, could you tell me where bed 25? She said, look, you just got here? You find your own bed. Don't ask me about, I said, yes, ma'am. I went on about my business. I got on the bed. When I tell you everything on me was shaking, I was trembling. And I sit down, and I just said, Lord, you didn't give me no spirit of fear. You are my strong tower. Wow. Wow. You didn't give me that spirit, Lord. And I took my shoes off. And I got down on my knees and I started praying. My God. I started crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, if this is where I'm supposed to be, so be it. But you didn't make me like this. You didn't make me like this. You didn't make me like this. You didn't design me like this. You didn't create me in my mother's <laughs> womb. And my father didn't make me. Yeah. He didn't give me yeah. to my mother. He made me the way he wanted me to be. Denise, I got to stop you right there. Yes. But, it's okay. but, but, and if you want to hear more of her story, I want you to Google it, Denise Coleman. Mm -hmm. Uh, decarcerated, decarcerated. Yes. You can hear her whole story. It's a two-hour story uh, podcast that you can get online. Mm -hmm. um, uh, seven years over the time because yes. she got lost in the system. Yes, that's the um, The advocacy program uh, that Rukia Lumumba is a part of found yes. you yes. and got you out of the prison. Yes. But here's the kicker, y'all. She served seven years over her over her over her sentence. But she still, to this date, has to pay monthly supervision fees to the state of Mississippi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she served over her time, but Mississippi demands that every month she pays them a monthly fee to yes. supervise her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you want to you understand why we do the work of prison reform? Prisoner reform? Because the system is messed up. The system is broken. And we have to be a part of, of helping those who are caught in a system that won't let them out. Yes. People who have served their time and, and they're just lost in the system. People mm -hmm. who are in the restitution centers and they're working, but nobody's keeping track of their hours to know how much debt they still owe. Mm -hmm. That's a broken system. Yes. And that's why we're leaning into this work. Amen? Listen, help me, help me thank these two for coming. Aaron, Denise, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
What a sermon. And I didn't even sweat. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, uh, what we want to do is, what we want to do is two things. Number one, uh, we do want to extend the invitation for anyone who might want to give their lives to Christ. You, you have heard the gospel. The gospel is that we are clay. He's the potter. He makes us and he molds us. That there are no unintentional marks. That even when we feel like there's throwaway, that God can use us, reuse us, repurpose us. And all we have to do is be willing to stay on the wheel. If you're here this morning and you're willing to stay on the potter's wheel and let the potter have his way in your life, the invitation is extended to you now. The doors of the church are open. He is the potter. We are the clay. Will there be one? Hallelujah. I am. Amen. We thank the both of you. We thank our pastor. 
we thank God for the messages that we have heard this morning. I understand that everyone has come for prayer. And I ask that you, my sisters and brothers, will pray with us now. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for another day. Lord, we thank you for another chance. These who have come, Lord, we know that you know their circumstance. You know them all by name. Lord, whatever is going on in their lives, have mercy. Whether it be family problems, whether it be community problems, whether it be health problems, whatever it is, strengthen them. Renew their faith. Build them up where they are torn down, Lord. And then put people around them that will support them and help them in their every need. And we thank you now, Lord, and we give them all to you. We ask that you will help and heal in the name of Jesus. We submit it and pray. Amen. Just do me a favor, because um, we're running, we're running, we're really out of time. What I want you to do, I just position yourselves uh, at the doors and make your the offerings trays available as people are leaving. Amen. Get an offering tray at every door, right here too. Don't let nobody get by you. Amen. Every exit door, put a tray. Amen. Put a tray. That way, when they leave, they can drop their their benevolent offering in. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and get your offering ready so that you can give it as you, as you depart. We want to get, make way for the Sunday school. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. We're standing now. We're standing now. A tray at every door. A tray at every door, ushers. Amen. God bless you. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go with peace.